This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome to Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. And again, Happy New Year as we roll into 2024. I tell you, the extra day off, I'm all in favor of the four-day work week now. We've had this, what, two weeks in a row? I like it. Four-day work week. Let's let's move. Let's let's get a resolution. Let's get something done to go with a four-day work week. And still only... uh, Keep it at 40 hours. No, let's don't do that. Let's cut it back to 30 hours. <laughs> let's don't squeeze 10-hour uh, work days into the week. But four days a week, starting to like that. Indeed, hope you had a great holiday weekend. And I know that you watched a ton of football, maybe a little basketball thrown in there as well. We got uh, so much to cover tonight. Our phone number, 888 2525 That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. And we'll take plenty of your phone calls talking about what went down last night. The national semifinals got to give the committee credit. They put together two games that gave us great, intense football, each to the last play. So you can't complain about that. You want competitive football in the national semifinals. We've had that now in back-to-back years. So all the criticism the committee got for leaving out Florida State, and again, if Florida State had not lost their quarterback, I feel for sure they'd have been in the four. But without the quarterback, they weren't the same team. And, of course, then their team just left them as a shell of themselves. Uh, What an – I don't want to say embarrassment. Not an embarrassment for Florida State. An embarrassment for the state of the game – the way that Orange Bowl turned out. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But as far as last night goes, a couple of classics, a couple of all-time classics. And, uh, you know, if you had a dog in the fight, well, you're either happy or you're heartbroken. If you were just a, an observer, then you uh, you walk away feeling like you saw uh, two really good football teams. And now you've got the number one and two seeds ready to play for the national championship in Houston one week from tonight, Michigan and Washington. And, boy, both have dynamic quarterbacks. Uh, I was going to say both have uh, really good running backs, but with Dylan Johnson going down last night for Washington, I wonder how that's going to impact them and their running game. was really kind of wondering about, of course, there were were questionable situations there at the end that led to a lot of discussion. Uh, In in the second game, uh, Washington and and Texas – Got to give Texas a lot of credit with how they handled their timeouts and they were able to get the ball back uh, with a reasonable amount of time. The injury to Johnson that stopped the clock really saved Texas and gave them the opportunity to have enough time to threaten the end zone. Um, And I think at first I was kind of wondering why is Washington lining up in the shotgun and turning and handing the ball off, all things that could be dangerous in that situation. 
But I think by taking a knee, they would not have run enough time off. They would have given Texas even more time because taking a knee takes no time. At least taking a snap, turning and handing it off and running a little bit eats up a little bit of clock. Um, And then when Texas gets it down inside, what, the 10, they had it first and goal, I believe it was, and the first pass that Ewers threw was out in the flats. And it's like he never even looked into the end zone. And they didn't have enough time for that kind of stuff. They needed to be taking shots into the end zone repeatedly until they ran out of time, which they eventually did. Um, But some terrific defensive plays there by the Washington secondary, especially that last one on the end. And then, of course, the end for Alabama in their game against Michigan, back and forth game there, overtime game. Michigan just sliced through Alabama's defense in overtime. And you've got the last play there for Milrow. And, again, if you look at it, and he was criticized for um, – well, no, the play calling was criticized. But, really, the play was there. Uh, the play was there. The The left side of the Alabama line did create uh, a gap. But he did not – he was supposed to cut left. He was supposed to run forward, run center, and then cut left. That's what the play called for. For some reason, he just took it straight into the pile and was stopped easily. And Michigan comes away with the with the huge win there. So terrific games, lived up to uh, everything that you would hope national semifinals would live up to. Now, we can also still talk some about Clemson tonight. Of course, we were on the air from Jacksonville on Friday night after the Tigers won their bowl game over Kentucky. Another exciting game. I mean, that one... We thought that might be the standard bearer for excitement in the in the bowl season, but obviously the, the national playoff games trump that because of the importance of those games. But still, uh, a very exciting game between Clemson and Kentucky and the Tigers rallying to win that one and Phil Moffa emerging as you know, maybe the, uh, the go-to guy for Clemson next year in the running game, assuming he returns. Don't know yet what Will Shipley is going to do. If the two return, you know, that's that's all the more better. But you got to wonder, one looking at the other, uh, one wants the football, and uh, you, you got to wonder if they want to be back together and sharing the, and sharing the football like that. Uh, but uh, Moffa really uh, rose to the occasion with his uh, four touchdowns. And then you had the play of um, Cade Klubnick. The play of Cade Klubnick uh, throughout the day was solid, but then he was he was borderline spectacular on the last drive of the game where they put the ball in his hands in a two-minute drive, and he was precise with his throwing. Uh, he was quick thinking. He was decisive. Uh, he did everything that you want a quarterback to do in a two-minute drive, and he moved his team down the field, even overcame a intentional grounding, even overcame a, a third and long, and they got the first down. So – a terrific win for Clemson. The Tigers uh, finish on a five-game winning streak, and it raised the question, which is our poll question of the week on Twitter, looking ahead to 2024 with the expanded playoff and with Clemson uh, finishing their season on a five-game winning streak. And by my count, in looking at the two deep for the bowl game, at least 17 starters in the bowl game look like they'll be back for next year. That's offense, defense, and special teams. 
So with all that to think about, and with the field expanding to 12, what's the likelihood of Clemson making the field? 100%, 75%, 50 or 25 And you know what? It's a split electorate. 318 votes in today. 29.2% think it's a 75% chance for the Tigers. So uh, greater than average. Uh, 26.1% place it at 50%. 25.5% give the Tigers a 25% chance of making the playoffs. And 19.2% say it's a lock for Clemson next year. So Tigers still have some convincing to do to some people, but I think they will have the horses to make a strong run for it next year. Um, They are excited about the two wide receivers they signed, and they think, I guess they think, that those two guys will help return some explosiveness to their passing game. One thing they have got to regain is their down-the-field passing attack because – Either it's non-existent or they just don't want to go to it. It's just not what um, Garrett Riley wants to do because they didn't take any shots, I don't believe. I don't think they took any shots down the field against Kentucky that I recall. Nothing where they just reared back and threw the ball 40, 50, 60 yards trying to hit a home run ball. A lot of underneath, a lot of um, short patterns, uh, stuff out in the flat, Pick away, pick away, pick away. And that's a way of moving the football. And you mix in the running game with it. Um, Maybe that's the new Clemson offense moving forward. Uh, We shall see what they do when they bring in these these new receivers to go along with who they have coming back. All right, so we've got all that to talk about. And there's basketball now. In my mind, basketball season is finally underway this week because we get to conference play all across the country. I know there's been a little bit of conference play here and there, but across the board now, except for an occasional marquee matchup outside of leagues, we're going to have nothing but meaningful conference games. And Clemson will play. They're already, of course, 1-0 and in ACC play, and the Tigers will go back on the road in ACC play, and they will go to Miami tomorrow night. And South Carolina will open up SEC play at home Saturday against Mississippi State, same time that Clemson will be at home against North Carolina. So are these teams for real, or are they fooling us? Clemson is now a number two seed in the projections for the tournament by Lenardi. came out this afternoon. He's got him as the number eight national seed, number as a number two seed. Uh, South Carolina is being projected for the tournament. Are these teams for real, or is this fool's gold? I mean, they show signs of being for real, and I think some of the wins that Clemson already has, like at Alabama, for example, uh, up at Pittsburgh, uh, beating South Carolina at home, uh, and and some of the other good wins they have, I mean, that indicates to me that they might have some staying power. They might be for real. And the Gamecocks, I like the way – they won their last two games. They won their last two games convincingly the way they should have. No dilly-dallying around and playing with a, a five-point lead here or seven-point lead or anything like that against inferior opponents. So they look good. Uh, for them, it looks like their success will rise and fall on their three-point shooting. And you might say, well, that's the case everywhere, isn't it? Well, no, it's not. I mean, some teams have good three-point shooting, but they're also good rebounders. Um, 
They play excellent defense. Now, South Carolina does play to this point. They've played excellent defense. But their outside shooting is going to carry this team as far as it will go. When they're on, they're terrific. Looks like Studi has gotten, has gotten his shooting eye back last couple of games. And Michi Johnson, uh, who's been you know dealing with, uh, I think it was an ankle, but he seems to be okay. Uh, his outside shooting, of course, is uh, extremely important to them. Um, <clears throat> B.J. Mack has been, I think, much better than advertised. So they've got some really good pieces, but now it really gets tough. <clears throat> Mississippi State's having a, a good uh, season as well in the pre-SEC part of their season. So that'll be a, a definite test right out of the gate for the Gamecocks on Saturday at the Colonial Life Arena. It's time to get excited about some basketball. College of Charleston looks pretty good. They're having a, a good start to their season before they uh, dive into conference play. Uh, Furman, a little bit of a sluggish start for them. Coastal Carolina's having all kinds of trouble. Uh, PC's been competitive at times. And uh, elsewhere around the state, uh, Winthrop's been okay. Charleston Southern, of course, has struggled, had a coaching change. So I would say right now your three top are Clemson and South Carolina and College of Charleston. Those seem to be the three uh flag bearers for the state when it comes to college basketball to this point okay so your thoughts on that and everything else that might be on your mind 888-898-2525 that is the south carolina education lottery lucky number uh no chris bergen tonight he is traveling with the coastal basketball team on the way to uh texas for a game out there against texas state and then he'll stay out that way and they'll eventually make their way over to uh, Louisiana to play um, Louisiana. Is it Monroe they're playing or the other one? A game in Louisiana. So they got a couple of road games this week that will tie him up. But he should be able to join us uh, perhaps on um, Thursday and Thursday and Friday, I think. All right. And Pat Daniel is here as well to uh, take your calls and offer his thoughts as, as well. So the number, again, is 888-898-2525. If you'd like to join us, go ahead and give us a call. In fact, uh, let's go ahead and jump to the phones, Pat, and see who is out there and uh, who had a great holiday weekend and who's fired up about 2024 and who's excited about their team in 2024 and who's uh, despondent over what happened in the bowl season and whose NFL team is going to make the playoffs or going to be sitting at home, and who's excited about basketball, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, one more thing to mention before we get to the calls uh, regarding uh, players coming and going. Uh, I saw information from Hale McGranahan, the big spur, sharing with his folks that there is strong talk of Grayson Howard, Grayson Pup Howard, transferring from South Carolina following Stone Blanton out the door so that would be uh disappointing on several fronts for the Gamecocks number one apparently he's a good player he was good enough to get some playing time this year he's a good player from a critical recruiting area number two he was as publicly excited about being a Gamecock uh, as any of their signees in the 23 class and is active in helping to recruit recruits for that class as anybody they had so you wonder what happened if that happens to be the case if he indeed does walk out the door after one season 
of what could have been a promising career. It's not like the Gamecocks are filled up at linebacker. They need help at linebacker. It's not like he wouldn't be a starter. So you really wonder, you really wonder about that and why uh, a young man would want to, unless there's something in the uh, a family situation that requires a departure, you know, the fact that they have the freedom to leave just gives a lot of these guys just, they just leave. Um, some have really good reasons that make sense to people on the outside. Some have reasons of their own that maybe not make sense to the outside, but it's, it's their decision. But as long as there's no... Uh, no restrictions and no way to keep somebody uh, in your program because they're not under contract like the pros. Uh, they can just up and leave whenever they want to for whatever reason they want to. So if that were to happen, that would that would be a significant loss. You're talking about, you know, you've already lost Stone Blanton, and now you'd be losing uh, Pup Howard, the a, a likely starter. Uh, you, you're getting Mo Kaba back, but, I mean, he's been hurt so much. How much can you depend on him? Um, so that is something that Hale McGranahan uh, reported to his folks this afternoon, something to keep an eye on moving forward. All right. To Gamecock. Oh, not, not, not yet. Hold on. We got to add a little bit more here. I'd like to get a few words in here, if I may, Phil, before we get to the callers. First, a story you touched on most things, but another big story for local fans around here of the, I think I'm going to start referring to them as that, that cat team up in Charlotte. I'm not even sure I want to keep referring to him as the Panthers. But uh, but that cat team up in Charlotte, the owner, another black eye for the organization this weekend. Mm-hmm. For those who did not see, towards the end of that 26 to nothing loss to the Jaguars down in Jacksonville, Carolina Panthers chairman and owner David Tepper was seen doing what it looked like. He was throwing what was left in his cup, a drink, at some fans. He was up in a box or a suite of some sort. It was an open-air box or suite of some sort. And there were fans down below. The The videos that circulated did not have audio, at least none of the ones that I've been able to see. But instead, it's just the video. So no idea what was said either to David Tepper or from David Tepper or any of that. Not, the, not that any of that would excuse his actions. He then threw a drink down onto fans, threw his cup angrily at the table in front of him, and then kind of stormed off camera. Well, the NFL just released a statement after we went live here. The, they called his conduct, quote, unacceptable, and then went on to say, all, quote, all NFL personnel are expected to conduct themselves at all times in ways that respect our fans and favorably reflect on their team and the NFL. They fined him $300,000 for it. Well, that's that's like five pennies for you and me for, for <laughs> him, but still, that's $300,000. That's an expensive cocktail or whatever he was drinking. Yeah, And then... The Panthers released a statement shortly thereafter, also just a few minutes ago, from David Tepper saying, quote, I am deeply passionate about this team and regret my behavior on Sunday. I should have let NFL Stadium security handle any issues that arose. I respect the NFL's code of conduct and accept the league's discipline for my behavior. And once again here, on top of a 2-14 and 14 situation, or season, excuse me, it mm-hmm. just seems like we are talking just as much about David Tepper and his off-the-field antics or decisions or whatever as we are talking about the Panthers themselves on the field. And i got to tell you, as a lifetime fan, it's just to this point, it's embarrassing. It's, we're the butt of jokes. It's embarrassing that your owner is doing this. I think a lot of people out there thought they were getting Jerry Jones and they got Dan Snyder 2.0 instead. And quite frankly, it's just it's an embarrassment. I'm not really sure what else to say. Yeah, that's how it would appear. That's how it would appear. And you don't have your first-round draft pick either. So 
all, all you get for having the worst record in the league is a uh, pound the back and a uh, batch of cookies on draft day as the Bears take your number one pick. But that was a decision that you made last year. Okay, uh, now to Gamecock. Larry, appreciate you jumping in on that and sharing that info. Gamecock Larry, happy new year. Hope you didn't party too hardy on uh, Sunday night and Monday. It's good to have you with us. Good afternoon, Mr. Phil Cornbutt, Pat, Chris, and all. Gamecock Larry is doing just fine. I had a good holiday. And I'm doing just fine. 361 more days of Clemson Tiger trash talking people. Didn't have nothing last year, but boy, they can sure put it to me this year. <laughs> let me tell you something. I ain't going to worry about it. I ain't going to worry about it one bit. We're going to be okay. And if you don't want to be a Gamecock, go ahead and go. But I don't blame the young man. I don't blame him. He probably got a good offer he couldn't turn down. But uh, no, another thing, no SEC team in the finals playoffs this year. No team in the finals. But I can, I can say one thing. The best team in the NCAA is sitting at home after rooting the ACC Florida team 63-3. But I did feel sorry for that coach of Florida State when he got 20-something players sitting in street clothes on the bench. He said, I'd have made them pay the way to get in as a fan. <laughs> I wouldn't let them sit on my bench. Mm. Now, another thing, one thing I got, one thing I got, and the Clemson fans, uh, NCAA, the transfer portal of the NIL, the NLI, can take away from me. Gamecock, Larry's racing team, my dragster racing team, uh, Gamecock Lucas and Gamecock Wesley, Won the national championship. One came in first. The other one came in second. Number another thing, my go, my motocross team, Gamecock, 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 Gamecock Jace. Yeah, Gamecock Jace. He won everything all over. He won it all, and that's one thing I don't care. Nobody can take from me. My racing team is out there, and we're going to be back next year. And also, mm. you want to know about one in tw out of 12 teams, if you think Clemson can make it, they can make it. But the game costs are going to make it also. No. And we're going to make it. And we're going to make it with high school signees. Mm. That's who we yeah, last year's signees and this year. That we gonna be in the top twelve and we gonna be we gonna be above Clemson if you if you under I don't know what I'm trying. Mm. Anyway, I ain't got nothing else to say. Game Larry gonna forget about football 
going to go basketball, and we're going to go baseball, and we're going to go softball, mm. and I and I got to listen. You can call me all you Clemson fans. You can talk all the trash you want to about Gamecock Larry on the radio. You can say anything. Oh, yeah, I would do want to say one, Mr. Field. Yes. That man, that, that gentleman that came on after I did last Friday, I think it was, and he was doubting my football IQ. I don't know what his name is, but I know he's probably listening. Sir, let me tell you one thing. I probably forgot more about football than you'll ever know. No! All right, Larry. Happy New Year. Off and running. And Larry, saucy. Saucy in 24. He's Saucy Larry. We'll be back. Take more of your phone calls. Don't go away. Okay, we're back at Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Cornblue, Pat Daniel on this Tuesday night, 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number for you right here on uh, Sports Talk. And you know now we're into 2024 and you're coming off an extended vacation, but you're already thinking about your next vacation. And no doubt you're thinking about going to the beach. Well, now is a good time to give Jimmy Smith a call. At pauliesvacationrentals.com, let him go ahead and get you locked down for your location this summer. 843-237-4246, online at pauliesvacationrentals.com. Jimmy and his staff will take great care of you, so don't put it off. You won't get exactly what you're looking for if you delay. So act now, 843-237-4246, Pauly's VacationRentals.com. All right, a couple lines have opened up. If you want to join us, 888-898-2525. All right, a lot of things to talk about. Let's uh, begin by remembering Kel Yarborough, who passed away on New Year's Eve. On Sunday, word came out that he had passed away at the age of 84. What a great South Carolinian and what a great race car driver. What a great athlete. People don't know, don't remember that he was a tremendous uh, running back at Timmonsville High School and had a chance to play some college football, I think. But for whatever reason, uh, went the direction of racing. And, of course, he made a wise decision. What a terrific driver he was. And uh, what a, for me, growing up in South Carolina, uh, a hero from the standpoint of a native you know, like David Pearson, you know, in North Carolina, which was the hub of NASCAR, uh, you had a lot of guys who were born and raised in the state of North Carolina, of course, most notably um, uh, Richard Petty. But in South Carolina, uh, we had the good fortune of a Cale Yarborough, of a, a David Pearson, and, of course, don't forget Bud Moore, who became one of the great owners, one of the great team owners of his time in NASCAR. So uh, three NASCAR championships consecutively for Cale Yarborough. Uh, finished with, I think, 83, 83 wins. But more than anything else, more than anything else, he probably 
brought NASCAR to the forefront of the American sports scene when he and Donnie Allison duked it out in the Daytona 500. What was that, 76, I think it was? I think it was 76, maybe. Uh, It was on national television. I think it was the first nationally televised Daytona 500. Americans were just uh, really starting to get a feel for NASCAR racing across the country. It had been such a southern sport. And CBS put cameras in the cars and did things that uh, nobody thought was possible from a television standpoint and really uh, gave the sport a needed shot in the arm in terms of national notoriety. But the fight between Yarborough and Allison that was televised, was caught live on television, uh, that really got people to watch NASCAR at that point in time who might not have otherwise paid any attention to it. So uh, a great South Carolinian and a terrific uh, stock car driver and uh, terrific representative of the state of South Carolina. So uh, yesterday, TigerNet reported that Will Shipley got good news on his MRI after he was injured on that kickoff return in the bowl game. It looked like it could have been something kind of kind of serious, but the word they got back through a spokesman from the MRI, no structural damage and no surgery is needed. This was confirmed by Dabo Sweeney. So that's certainly good news. But then again, you wonder if you're Shipley, you're contemplating going to the draft, you get hurt in the bowl game, you wonder about is it time to go ahead and go to the draft Um do I continue to risk injury in college? You know, how do you weigh one versus the other? But then again, what do the what does the NFL think about him? You know, uh, is are they ready to take him as a high draft pick, or would he be a a middle round guy, a fourth or fifth round guy, where you're not going to get a guaranteed contract, perhaps? So decisions that have to be made there for him. But the good news is, uh, no major damage to the knee coming off that play. Former uh, Clemson quarterback Willie Shotgun Simmons been the head coach at Florida A&M, but now he is going to go to Duke to uh, get the uh, running back's coaching job under Manny Diaz. And that became official uh, yesterday. Simmons was 39-8 and at Florida A&M. Of course, he played at the Citadel as well after he finished his playing days at Clemson. Ole Miss quarterback Jackson Dart coming back for next season. So, you know, you throw little Juice Wells in there and the other weapons they have. And say what you will about Lane Kiffin, the guy can coach some ball. He can flat-out coach some offense. And they're going to be a major threat. They're going to be a major threat in the SEC next year. Uh, this was an interesting little story. Uh, K.J. Bolden, who signed with Georgia – after being committed all that time to Florida State. He's in San Antonio for the All-American Bowl, and, of course, he talked with the media there. And he made the comment to the media there in their introductory press conference, you know, when the players get there and they they talk to him. Um, He said other schools made offers to him some very large amounts of money he said probably, quote, probably like $3 million annually. Crazy. End of quote. Now, you know, this is a kid talking, and when he says something like probably like $3 million annually, you know, did right. somebody really say, hey, man, we, we, 
we'll pay you $3 million to come here and, and play for us. Uh, you know, you don't know exactly what the truth is. But he's putting that out there that they were coming after him uh, with big dollars. It makes you wonder how much is Georgia paying them to flip him away from Florida State. Maybe it was Georgia that was offering the $3 million. Which brings me to my next point. And our phone number is 888 uh, One thing I took from the weekend from the bowl games at the highest level started with uh, Kirby Smart. And, of course, this isn't a unique idea, but Kirby Smart said after they blew out Florida State that college football is fixed. I'm sorry, is broken and needs to be fixed. <laughs> Freudian slip. That college football is broken and needs to be fixed, okay? And I just sort of nodded at that comment. Sure. And then watching an ESPN telecast, Joe Testator made the comment. He might have been doing the play-by-play for that game. It might have been another one. And he said, you know, the, the sport is broken. College football is broken right now, you know. And I hear this stuff from coaches and announcers and others in a position of authority. And I think to myself, well, who broke it? Who broke it? Who broke college football? And so I've come up with a list of who broke college football because we all know it's broken. It starts at the top with the presidents and the ADs. And once they got a taste of the money that they could make off college football, it became a drug. And the television networks became their suppliers. It's as simple as that. They got a taste of the, of the dollars that the TVs were willing to pay, the networks were willing to pay, primarily ESPN once it was created and got rolling. And, and they saw live college sports as a way to, to grow their brand and to fill their programming needs. All that working together as partners, as they like to call them. And I'm talking presidents, ADs, and commissioners. Don't let me forget commissioners. The, the, the upper tier of administrators that run college sports, all involved in opening up their hands and taking the money from the television networks, at the same time giving up control of their sport to the television networks, to where the television producers, directors, became the most important people in the game. More important than the coaches, more important than the players, in that they're the ones who are deciding who plays when and who plays where and who plays who in a lot of cases. Um, So you've got the very top of the uh, leadership ladder, the presidents, the ADs, the commissioners, all out of greed, getting a chance to get the big money from television. Now you throw television in there, and of course they're providing – what the uh, the leagues and the schools want. They want the money for what? They want the money so they can pay the coaches and they can build the facilities and they can have all the amenities that could you know they could ever dream of. You know, when you're talking about an annual payout per school now in the SEC of around 70 million uh in the Big 10 of upwards of 100 million and on down the line with the various conferences, well, you can see where that relationship is now at the same time they might be making the money from the television networks but they're also giving up control of their game and so i mean why else would you have a noon kickoff in the south uh say you south carolina for example playing a non-league game a 12 o'clock kickoff in september 
when it's 100 degrees for a game that's only going to be available uh, on your on your phone or through a streaming device. That's because you've given up control of your product. You don't care about what your fans have to deal with sitting in the stands in that kind of weather. Or why else would you play games on Tuesday, Wednesday nights in October, November in Minnesota and the Dakotas and Wyoming, you know, for the sake of being on television, because they all believe being on television is the end all plus the money, but you're willing to put your fans and your players out there no matter what the weather conditions are, no matter what the time of day it is, to play the football game. Because television says so. Because television wants to have football every night. You know, ESPN wants to have a football product every night. And you can throw Fox in there as well now, but not to the degree of ESPN. And CBS as well. They paid big bucks. But again, they don't have the all-sports platform that ESPN had all those years. They do now. But they don't fill it with live football Uh, or basketball games as much as ESPN does to fill out their daily schedule. So you've got the presidents, you've got the ADs, you've got the television networks led by ESPN. you got to throw the coaches in there. Yeah, the coaches, you're to blame too. You're to blame. You help break it because you were looking for more money and you would up and leave your team before bowl games to go take another job. And before we got to the point where players were being paid and players uh, were stuck and couldn't transfer, they're like, he's leaving. He's leaving us. And we're we're stuck here to play this bowl game, but he's leaving to go make more money. But we aren't getting anything. So I put the coaches in there as well. I think that's another reason why the system is broken. You've got everybody chasing the dollars that the television networks are providing. Okay. It's the American way. Look out for yourself. I get that. But don't sing to me and cry me a river of tears when you're a coach and you tell me the system is broken when you're one of the reasons the system is broken. And I want to hear from an ESPN announcer that the system is broken because your company is one of the reasons that the system is broken. But I'm not done. You know, players have something responsibility here as well. Um now that they have been given this this freedom that they've you know been granted through the courts because there is no leadership there is no um, direction in the sport anymore there's there's no athlete on the planet there's no athlete on the planet right now who has more freedom than a college football or basketball player or baseball player or any sport, but I'm just going to use football and basketball. You just can't up and move. If you're a professional, if you're an NFL player, you just can't up and leave your team and decide to go to another team. You can't do it. Um, You can be traded. You can be cut, but you can't. Now, you can retire, but you'll when you try to come back, you still will face a penalty. Players as we well know, can just up and leave at any time. Don't want to play in the bowl game? I'm out of here. Don't want to stay around for another year? I'm out of here. Um, On top of that, what about your loyalty to the people who paid you the money to play for them through the NIL process, which is a joke in its own right, but you take the money, but you don't finish the obligation. And people paying you to, to play out an entire season. A bowl game... It's part of a season, as far as I know. But, I mean, it's ridiculous how many 
are opting out. And what's even sadder is how we're so conditioned now that we expect it. You know, you did, we didn't make the playoffs. Well, how many players are going to opt out of the bowl game? We've just come to expect it. And that's another sad situation about the broken system that we have in college football. We'll focus on the football. Sad, sad, sad. So throw the players in there as well. The greed, taking advantage of the opportunity that's been given to them. Nobody says you have to take advantage of, you know, the free transfers that you're getting just because you have the opportunity. How many of you are going to be stuck in the transfer portal with nowhere to go? And then there's the fans. You know, there's the fans as well because you're now funding the whole thing. You're giving your money to the NILs to give to the players to use for to what to be paid. And whether they stay or not, you know, that's up to them. But you're 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 funding the whole process right now because you're being told that's the only way we can win championships. You know? Well do you think and I saw where South Carolina was trying to raise a million dollars in their NIL, one of their NIL deals. I mean, do you really think South Carolina is going to win a national championship next year with a million-dollar NIL fund or a $2 million NIL fund? I mean, seriously? I mean, I understand that you want to feel a part of the whole deal and and feel like you have a little bit of influence and a little bit of say about what's going on. But if you think it's good money that you're spending, that's fine. But you're part of the problem as well, as I see it. And then... I think one last factor here is part of the media segment, and that is, of course, the recruiting, the recruiting networks, the 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 IDing of players as this star, that star, now plus star, building up everybody's hopes. When a large number, if these players were so good, these four and five stars, why are they transferring after one year? After two years, why aren't they starting? Why are they becoming all conference? Yeah, great players are going to be great players in college, no matter how you label them. But so many of them are mislabeled, and fans wonder why aren't we winning when we have this level of player based on the recruiting rankings? And of course, the schools are to blame as part of this as well because they tout those rankings. You know, they put in the bios of the players. Well, he was the 13th ranked outside linebacker in the Southeast by rivals. You know. Okay, big whip-de-doo. Um, in two years, he's out the door, and you're replacing him with somebody else, maybe through the transfer portal, John, yourself. So when I hear people say it's broken, and they say, you know, they, they, they say, and they act like it's, uh, they're frustrated because college football is broken, these people, well, just look in the mirror because – they're all involved in what I think has become uh, the breakdown of college football as we have it here in um, now beginning in 2024. From the top of the, the command chain, the presidents, the ADs, the commissioners, through the coaches, media, players, and, and the fans. I think everybody's got a hand in why, why football, according to them. These are, it's not me saying it, Kirby Smart, Joe Testator, you know, others in position of knowledge and power say the game is broken. And so my thought was, well, who broke it? And their organizations, their groups, are two of the reasons why it's in the position that it is in right now. 
All right, we better hit a break, and we'll come back and continue with your phone calls. 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. And can't wait to hear what you have to say about that or anything else that we've talked about tonight. We'll touch on the basketball schedule as well coming up. Got some ACC games on the card tonight. We'll be back after this break here on Sports Talk. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. Investing can be like a puzzle. There's so many pieces to consider, and it can be hard to know where to start. But with the right guidance, you can put the pieces together to create a winning strategy. That's where Founders Investment Services come in. Our team of financial advisors can help you navigate the complexities of investing and create a personalized plan that fits your goals and risk tolerance. We'll work with you to identify the pieces of your puzzle and how they fit into your financial future. Call 866-739-7064 or visit foundersfcuinvestments.com to learn more about how we can help you take the first step to Towards reaching your financial goals. Securities offered through LPL Financial. We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer, it's the fall in South Carolina. That means it's deer season. What do people need to know about? That's right, Phil. It is deer season. We always want to remind hunters to identify your target. Know the identifying features of the game you're hunting. Make sure that it's a deer before you take that shot. When walking to and from your stand in low light, use a flashlight so that no one will mistake you for a deer. For more information on hunting safety and more information on deer season, listen to our show on Wednesday nights on the Sports Talk Media Network. The lottery is not about getting rich. It's about helping people, and it always has been. The lottery is what helped raise the Great Wall of China, build the roads of Rome, and today in South Carolina, it's what generates millions of dollars each year for scholarships like the SC Hope, Life, and Palmetto Fellows. The South Carolina Education Lottery is investing in you. Visit sceducationlottery.com slash better you to learn more. Okay, we're back on Sports Talk. Let's hit the phones before the top of the hour. Then we'll continue with phones after the top of the hour. Zach Willis at 735 to kind of break down the two playoff games for us from last night. From his uh, standpoint, let's go to Jamie 
in Hilton Head. Next with us on Sports Talk. Happy New Year, Jamie. Great to have you with us. Happy New Year to you all. Yes, sir. Okay. I think I, I think I may have a solution to some of this NIL and transfer pool stuff. You know, um, first of all, the NCAA is just as guilty as anybody for putting himself in this situation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, my question, my, I wonder why we couldn't fix it. It'd be a simple fix. You, you just need to change a few things. You're not taking away an IL and you're not taking away a kid's right to transfer. However, just say that a, a power uh, five school or division one school, whatever you want to say, can only have five transfers on the roster at one time. Okay. Number two, you need to change the red shirt rule back to what it was. Because what's happening is, and the reason why a lot of these kids are opting out of bowl games is they're saying, well, I played three, game, three games this year. I think I want to transfer. I can save the year if I sit out one more game. Okay? And the kids like, like the recruiting process, so they're trying to chase that glory one more time. And I know they're trying to chase some NIL stuff, but if you, if you limit their ability to transfer – by putting by saying you can only have five on the on the roster at one time, you limit some of that NIL stuff. Well, those are ideas. I don't know. I, again, the problem is with the way the Supreme Court and the courts have ruled. I don't know that any kind of restriction would pass by saying you can't do this, you can't do that, because they just opened the door and said, "Go, go, go, do, do, do as you want to do." to this point. Yeah, freedom of movement. It'd be hard to restrict that at this point. Exactly. I mean, good ideas. I hear what you're saying, and I'm glad you're thinking about it. We need good thought out there. We need some good ideas to be passed around. Uh, We'll take some more of your ideas after the top of the hour. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, back to calls in just a moment. 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number for you. Right here on Sports Talk, let me mention a couple of other quick things. NC State defensive back Aiden White in the portal. John, former All-ACC first-team corner, 37 tackles, two picks in 2023. Also, we have got the uh, rundown for college basketball's net rankings across the state going into this week. Clemson setting the pace at number eight. South Carolina's 44 Charleston is 119. El Cid is 161. Wofford, 168. Furman, 171. Winthrop, 180. PC, 294. Upstate, 297. South Carolina State, 332. Coastal, 340. Charleston Southern, 348. Former Gamecock offensive lineman Nick Gargiulo accepted an invite to play in the um, Hula Bowl. So that's sweet. Why wouldn't you accept an invite to the Hula Bowl? So he's headed out there. Pros will get a chance to see him. And the most watched telecast, this is from Front Office Sports, the most watched telecast of any kind in 2023. Top of the list, 
Eagles and Chiefs. Super Bowl, uh, what is that, uh, 57? LV2, LVII, that would be five, 57, right? Wow. Is that right? LVII, 57? 115.1 million. About half the country. Bengals Chiefs AFC Championship, 53.4. 49ers Eagles NFC Championship, 47.7. And on down. They're all NFL games, which just tells you gambling has taken hold of this country. In a <laughs> unbelievable. Don't you think? It's got to be. I mean, I know the NFL. It's at your fingertips now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everywhere. It's got to be. The gambling aspect has just got to be driving people to the television sets now in these these huge numbers. Well, I'll tell you, I play fantasy football with a number of friends and in a few different leagues, and one of them this year, we created a dynasty. It's the first time I've done that, where essentially you use the same players each year and just try to build it like an actual NFL team. Mm-hmm. Try to think with the draft and for the future. Well, where I'm going with this is we use an app called Sleeper. I had never used that before. But they have a very they have their claws in sports gambling. As far as I was understanding, or as I knew it, I thought gambling was illegal in our state. But through this app, I'm not saying I've done it, but yeah. I know of people that uh, you can certainly gamble through this app on your phone legally in South Carolina. There's fine print showing that you can legally do it. That was news to me until about four days ago. But it's just everybody has a smartphone pretty much. Everybody has some like a tablet or a computer of some sort, and you can do this even even in states where gambling is supposed to be illegal. You can legally sports gamble via the internet through other states on your telephone, and it's just making it that easy. It's like ah, what's a couple dollars here? What's a yeah. couple of dollars? Well, you there? saw where a guy had hit fourteen. Yeah, uh, fourteen was that in a parlay? Had yeah, a fourteen and and won over four hundred thousand dollars on a five like a five dollar right. parlay. Yeah. All right, one last thing, just to wrap this up. We had the poll question last week over the holiday for the most outstanding player of the year in college football in South Carolina. Uh, 712 votes got in before the Twitter poll shut down or the X poll. I still don't understand why. When I put in for this to run for five days, it stops taking votes after four days. I've written... um, What's the guy's name that owns Twitter? Um, Elon. Yeah, Elon. I've written Elon. Elon. I've sent him some direct messages, and uh, he hasn't gotten back to me yet. Mm. Um, I'm like, why can't you fix this, man? You can put a you can put a rocket up in space, but you can't fix this. Buy a Tesla, then maybe he'll fix it. Ah, <laughs> Xavier Leggett received fifty five point three percent, and probably a good decision. Jeremiah Trotter twenty two point two, Spencer Rattler seventeen point seven, and Tyler Huff. 4.8. So congratulations, Xavier Leggett. If you're listening to Sports Talk, you have been crowned the people's champion in South Carolina. Well done. For this year. Okay. We go back to the phones. Uh, we will go next to um, Keith in Camden. Right? Keith, welcome in. Happy New Year. Great to have you with us. Happy New Year to you and Pat. Yes, Chris sir. Chris with y'all tonight? And he's traveling with the Coastal Hoops team. Oh, is he in Hawaii again? <laughs> no, he wishes. He's on his way to Look. San Marcos. Their flight, though, was going to go from Conway or Myrtle Beach, Myrtle Beach to Nashville Miami. to Austin, and then bus to San Marcos, Texas, Ooh. which is kind of halfway. Well, he told me between halfway between Austin and San Antonio. Yeah. 
Look, uh, on your whole synopsis of uh, college football, yeah, I, I think you're, you're spot on. The, the one thing that, you know, it's obvious. I mean, how in the world can Kirby Smart get up in the morning and look in the mirror and shave? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's a simple solution, but nobody wants to hear it. Number one, mm-hmm. stop buying tickets. Number two, quit donating to the university and NIL. Number three, turn your TV off and don't watch. That's the only way it changes, and you know as well as I do, that ain't happening. Well, I'm not even uh, sure if you stop buying tickets. I'm, I don't think that would have a, a great impact because, I mean, that would cut into TV the budget were, some, but the TV money would – TV, TV, TV would TV. Wel- they would welcome less butts in the seats and more eyes on the television or your phone you or your it. iPad. No, you can't watch. And you know as well as I do, we're – we're we're in the south. That's not happening. That fried chicken and football. Yep. Y'all have a good one. Thank you. Now we're gonna watch. Uh, we're gonna watch. There's no question about it. I haven't seen any numbers on last night's games, but I'm sure they were huge. Uh, we continue on the phones with uh, Ron up in Greenville. Ron, happy New Year! Great to have you with us. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm doing great. I hope you are. Yes, sir. I got something probably nobody's going to want to hear. But if you bring up the South Carolina 2024 schedule, the Clemson 2024 schedule, I can't see either one of them teams doing good at all. I mean, honestly, I think Clemson, the first game of the year, probably lose to Georgia. And so, uh, and I'm not sure who South Carolina plays, but. I believe they go to Alabama. I believe they lose. I believe they lose to LSU. And I think they got to go out and either Oklahoma or Texas. I believe they lose that game. I believe they lose to Clemson. They're out there's four losses, and we ain't going through the rest of the schedule yet. Yeah. Clemson, I think they lose to, uh, to Georgia, like I say. I think they lose probably at maybe – Florida State. Yeah. I, mean, I just can't see either state teams having great records next year. Well, uh, thanks for peeping on the new year for the fans. Um, the Gamecocks have an incredibly difficult schedule next year. Um, yeah. I mean, go to Kentucky, all right, uh, home to LSU. LSU's going to be thinking about winning the national championship. Of course, they got to replace their quarterback, but they think the guy, uh, Nesmeyer, who played so well in their bowl game, is the answer. Uh, they're going to host Ole Miss, who will be a preseason favorite to win the SEC West, I would say, will be a favorite. They will go to Alabama, which will be the favorite to win the SEC West. They will go to Oklahoma, which will be a favorite to win the SEC West. They will host Texas A&M. They will go to Vandy. They will host Missouri, which just gave their coach an extension. And they play at Clemson. And they also play Wofford and Akron and Old Dominion. So let's give them Old Dominion, Akron, Wofford, and Vanderbilt. That's your four of, of your 12 right there. That's your four 
where else are you going to find W's for the Gamecocks? I mean, unless the Gamecocks, with this influx of, of, of uh, portal talent, just become a super team because they're going to have to be a super team to win nine games next year. I think they'd be happy with eight, but to get to eight or even nine, you're going to have to be a super team against that schedule. That schedule is just crazy because of the ones I didn't mention, the worst team is Texas A&M. And, I mean, how much is it going to take to get Texas A&M back to prominence? Probably not a whole lot. Mike Elko worked pretty quick at Duke. Yeah, I mean they're going they're going to have the money and they're going to have the, the the players. And Missouri's Missouri, weaker Missouri teams beat the Gamecocks. Clemson's Clemson, <laughs> Oklahoma and Alabama, uh, Ole Miss, Alabama and Oklahoma, three consecutive weeks. Nobody at the level of South Carolina should have to play that. <laughs> I mean, serious. Thank you, Ron. Murder, murderers row. Murderers Row. You're probably talking about preseason. Uh, Alabama would be probably preseason number three because Milrow's back. So they'll start with the yep. quarterback. They'll probably be preseason number three, four, no worse than four. Georgia will be no worse than four. Um, Michigan, Washington, you know, they're going to be way up there. Ole Miss will be top five. Oklahoma will be top seven or eight. Let's take this a step further, Phil. Next year is the inception of the 12-year playoff. Let's just go down that go down that schedule and how many teams on this do you think are realistic contenders for the playoff? Good Old, question. Old Dominion, no. Kentucky, I would say no, but no, that's not no. That's not they're not an absolute. Okay, absolute ones though. LSU, I would absolutely put them. Mm-hmm. Akron, no. Ole Open, Miss. obviously no. Ole Miss, yes, that's two. Alabama, three. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma, four. Mm-hmm. Texas A and M, I don't think I would. Would you? Not yet. Okay. Vanderbilt, no. Missouri? Quite possibly. The way they finished this year, yeah. I don't think and I'd I, and, turn my nose up And I up think their quarterback is back. They lose the running back, but right. I think... They got a pretty good one behind them, though, too, the running back. Yep, yep. Um, so that's five. Clemson, Clemson six. Six. That's so you're half talking your schedule. Half your schedule are legitimate playoff contenders next year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Better find some good portal johnners. Let's take another phone call. 888-898-2525. Thank you, Ron. Andy in Columbia, welcome in. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Corn and Pat. Let me clean something up for you real quick, Corn. There's no such thing anymore as SEC West. There's only going to be one division. Well, that's true. Right? That's true. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So I wanted to clean that one up for yep. you. I got a few things I want to touch on. These coaches, if they you know need to shut their mouths about people opting out or they need to um, lead by example, they want to lead by example, don't take another uh, coaching job until after everything's completed and the bowl seasons are over. Mm-hmm. Until then, shut your hole. See, and here's the thing that you, uh, people want to say, well, put something in the player scholarship that says that they can't leave until after the bowl game. Okay, I'm all for that. But then How about you the let coaches? coaches leave. Yeah, that's hypocritical. Yeah. How can you let one go and not the other? They got to solve both of those situations, either fix it that's or let them go, good. you know. And, you know, there's only one thing that um, outdid the Super Bowl this year, and that's your um, listenership has more. Yay! Thank you. Um, You're crowning us king of the world. R.I.P. to Mr. Kelly Yarborough. Yeah. Um, I had the great pleasure and opportunity to meet him 50 years ago at the Southern 500. One of my best friend's mother went to school with him in Timminsville. And... Uh, 
That was the only NASCAR race I ever went to. And we went down to the pits afterwards, and I got to meet Mr. Yarborough. You ever but seen forearms like that before? God, I mean. He, he, I mean, he, lumberjack, he, lumberjack forearms. I shook his hand. I thought my hand was going to be, like, squished. <laughs> I mean, you know, very nice, very nice man. But I'll tell you what, I, you know, being from the north, like I said, I've never been to a NASCAR race before. When I came back, my parents said, well, how was it? I said, well, people get excited and stand up only during um, three times. One time's when the race is starting. Mm-hmm. The other time's whenever there's a wreck. And the last time is when the um, last lap. Mm. I said, other than that, I'm getting, um, I almost got sick from the diesel smell. Yeah. From all the gas. Yeah. You know, and this is the old days of the, you know, 50 years ago back in Darlington, you know. There, yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Pretty, 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 pretty it, but it was fun. Yeah. You know, you know, you got to experience once and, you know. It was a good time. I, I advise to, everybody I to go to at least one race in your lifetime. And you might be yeah. smitten by it, you know, or you might not like it. It's not for everybody. But yeah. give it a try. Go to Darlington. Go to the Sprint. If you're not a fan but you want to give it a try, I suggest going to Darlington for the shorter race. Um, or go to one of the um, go to one of the Xfinity races. You know, go to one of the shorter races on a Friday night. It's a hundred and something laps. You're in and out an hour and a half. You get a good feel for the sport and a good taste for it by watching those guys. They're, they're listen. They they're fast, and they're very competitive. Well, and you know, it's also good if you go with people that really know about racing too. Mm-hmm. Which which I went. You know, the family I went with were, you know, of course, big racing people. Yeah, they knew a lot about it, so it wasn't like I was sitting there with a bunch of ignorant northerners that knew nothing about uh, <laughs> NASCAR. You know, we're just they're watching people going around in yeah. circles. Yeah, But, um, you know, I just wanted to give a shout-out to him. You know, that's a legend from South Carolina that, you know, unfortunately could never be replaced. And, oh, no uh, question. It's a, it's a sad thing to see him go. Yeah. And um, I just wanted to throw that out. And uh, Well, thank you, and have yourself a great rest of the evening. We'll talk to yeah. you later on. Take care. Thank Y'all you. Enjoy your new year. Thank you. You too. Thanks, Andy. Great hearing from you. Okay, hit the break. We'll come back with more of your phone calls. Uh, still to come, uh, Zach Willis, bottom of the hour. Get his take on what he saw last night. Got some recruiting notes coming your way as well. So stay tuned for that. Our phone number, 888 2525 And a couple lines have now opened up, so you can grab them. Get on board. Love to hear from you when we come back from the break. Don't go away. South Carolina's taste buds have spoken, and they're asking for beef. There are more than 7,800 farms raising cattle from pasture to plate in the Palmetto State. So whether it's steaks on the grill before the big game, sirloin medallions played it for date night, or burgers with a family, make sure beef is a part of your playbook this football season. Smoke, grilled, and slow-roasted. Find the best way to enjoy your beef at sccattle.org. Beef. It's What's for Dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. Hi, this is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. 
do you know the difference between a revocable trust and an irrevocable trust? The difference could easily save you hundreds of thousands of dollars in long-term care costs. Visit LawyerLisa.com to schedule a consultation today. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. Daddy, you need a trust. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports, and wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code B. BB5. Don't wait. Order today. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. All right, back we are. Sports Talk, Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel, Chris Bergen out in Texas tonight. Getting ready for some basketball. 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery, lucky number. Back to calls in a second. Update hoops, Tennessee, 16-11 to on Norfolk State. Pittsburgh leading North Carolina, 14-13. Boston College leading Wake Forest, 26-20. Duke and Syracuse. Auburn and Penn later tonight. All right, let's um, continue with the calls, and we go next to um, Owen in Rock Hill. Hey, Owen, welcome into Sports Talk. Happy New Year to you. Same to you, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I thought the uh, fellow that talked uh, several conversations ago uh, was dead on. Um, I know uh, uh, the courts say that uh, – a student it can transfer almost at will every year if he wants to, I guess. But if the schools were 
agreeable to it, why couldn't the NCAA say that they could only accept four, five a year? And that's not the same as a student. Mm. It seems like that would yeah, yeah. That might help if they do. If they really like the idea, they can't develop a player uh, like they used to be able to. Yeah, um, you're right. So they're, they're, you are right. They do put a cap on how many they can actually take into a school. Yeah, that's a good point. Schools do limit how many they right. take in. That's a good point. Uh, I don't know that that would stem the tide of transfers though, because guys who go into the portal expect to go somewhere. They expect to find a place somewhere. They don't realize, they don't even think about the fact that schools do have limitations even now. I mean, you're limited to 85 scholarships at the highest level, and but they don't think about that. They but just think they can find something, you know, either closer to their home or a better situation for them somewhere else. Well, couldn't they limit a school to accept only three or four or five players Listen, they can make the rules. They can make the rules. Sure they can. They can get together. Remember, the NCAA is just a, a, an acronym. The, the people sure. who run the NCAA, who make the rules, are the ADs and the presidents and others who sit on these various councils and committees. They make the rules, and the membership, they vote on the rules. So it's, they do it. And they could say, we're going to pass a rule that says you can't take more than five transfers uh, in a calendar year, that might work, and it might it might pass muster. Somebody could challenge it in the court and say, you know, you can't limit how many people can transfer into a program. I don't know. Maybe they can't. Maybe that's something you can't test in the courts because um, you still have freedom of movement, but nobody says they got to take you. You know, nobody says a school's got to pick you out of the portal, John, and and bring you in. Um, that's a good you you but the point what's the what's the end game here you you think that would limit the number of kids who would who would enter the portal john absolutely i do and and you can't make the uh, if, if they only limit limited to uh, a few players no matter what the nil was uh if if they can't get in because Three or four or five have been accepted. That's the limit's been accepted. It just seems to be a good, a good point. Yeah. And something to think about anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, thank you for that. Something to think about. Appreciate it. Remember we mentioned the other night about the percentage, and it was roughly, I think, about a third going back each of the last three years mm-hmm. of players who entered the portal did not end up finding a home. Mm-hmm. you got to think that would probably increase that. Or conversely, maybe that would scare folks from entering the portal unless they have somebody – who they know is going to sign them. Yeah. Yeah, something to think about. Um, See if anybody does anything about it. We'll be back after the break. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. And we'll take some more phone calls in just a couple of moments. And we'll have the recruiting report for you tonight as well, so stay tuned for all of that. Coming off the big games last night, the national semifinals, we do have some 
viewing numbers that Pat just ran across, like 27 million plus. 27.2 million for Michigan, Alabama was the average. Third most in the college football playoff. I'm oh, sorry, in the yeah, in, in its mm-hmm. uh, lifetime, and then Washington, Texas was 18.4 million, which finished just outside the top ten biggest playoff audiences. All right, so Strong good numbers. numbers. Still can't touch the uh, the NFL by comparison, which shows you that the college football is it's it's in a lot of ways just uh, it's a regional thing. I mean the the NFL is is a national thing. People will watch an NFL game. They'll, they'll watch the L.A. Chargers and the Washington Commanders will will pull in. If it's a playoff situation, they'll pull in 25, 30 million. Now, if it's a regular season game, obviously, you know, that won't, won't, won't go that way. But if it's a playoff game, they're going to pull in 30, 40 million um, if they're in the playoffs, not regular season. One more quick. You're looking at me like that's stupid no no I, I totally agree with you no i was yes. looking at you just to try to catch your eye before we go to our esteemed guest uh, uh zach willis here in just a moment was so i'm looking at these numbers but you notice how last night and it seems like for all these big games now it's being broadcast on multiple t- multiple channels last night espn and you had your traditional format and then espn too you had more of the talking head a lot of former player guys whatever well are these numbers combining the two are these numbers just the highest of the two or Good question. And then I kept thinking between the two games, why are we doing this? And I think the easy answer is, is money. I mean, then you could probably get, in theory, double the sponsorships. You could mention how now you have not maybe not double the viewers, but if you are scoring them separately, I would imagine that will increase the total numbers of viewers you're going to have and, therefore, the amount you're able to charge your sponsors for those viewership rights. Just give me the game. I go where they give me the game. I don't go for the sideshow that ESPN wants you to give you on their side channels. Just give me the game. Speaking of, just give me the breakdown with Coach Zach Willis. Little Tuesday night, first and ten. Little breaking down the X's and O's from an expert's viewpoint. Good evening, Coach. Happy New Year. Good to be here, Phil. Always good to be here. And happy birthday again. <laughs> Happy birthday. One of my biggest honors being serenaded in front of all those listeners by my childhood hero, Phil Coolman, and the staff at Sports Talk. I mean, how can you beat it? Poor boy from McCall, yeah. you can't beat it. There you go. So let's begin with the, the first one, uh, the the overtime uh, sensational game between Alabama and Michigan. Um really could have gone either way. It went both ways, back and forth. What do you think at the end of the day – Besides the fact that Michigan came up with that stop, what what do you think uh, made the difference for Michigan? Or was it simply that they came up with that stop? I think, honestly, they made a play. Because, you know, they Michigan tried a lot of ways to give that ball game away. Um, special teams was not – it wasn't their best day. They had a losing performance there. Um, but they have a great football team. And, I you know, it was a tale of two halves, too, man. I mean, Michigan – Alabama couldn't block them in the first half. I hadn't seen Alabama look that bad, giving up five sacks and a half with a mobile quarterback. But I think they confused him, which kind of slowed him down. I think maybe one time we saw, you know, Alabama's quarterback run that thing full speed. And of course, he almost scored. It was a big, huge hole, but ran so much harder. I don't know if he was beat up from the Georgia game or what was going on, but you know, ran a whole lot harder in the SEC play than he did in that football game. It seemed like he was real tentative. Maybe playing not to lose it. I don't know. But uh-huh. 
first half especially, you know, Alabama, you thought you could see them come out and use him. It was almost like they tried to avoid using them. And uh, yet they were only down three points. They come out second half. It looks like the old Alabama, which I much preferred. I didn't like facing them. But, man, they used to run that ball right down your throat. And they started doing that, and Michigan couldn't stop. And then all of a sudden, Alabama just turned the tap off and quit running the ball. And um, I, I, I know um, one of the reasons is because of philosophy of their offensive coordinator. I coached against him as a player at Notre Dame. I know what he comes out of. He likes to throw the ball, and, you know, they want out smart. Martin people is not Nick Saban's deal. Nick Saban out-physicals people, and once he beats them, he gives them enough of a concussion he outsmart anybody uh, and, and plays great defense. So I thought Alabama really played a great second half and just kind of ran out of the gas and options at the end. I thought Michigan's first half was as well played as I've seen since Clemson blew Alabama out in the national championship game. Um, but second half, they, they – if either if they play like that against Washington, they won't have a chance. Uh, I don't think they will, but I think the moment was a little bit too big. I mean, they had fumbled that punt and were really lucky Alabama didn't score that thing for a touchdown and put it away right there. So things kind of went Big Blue's way. It probably was about time for them. They've been knocking on the door and breaking enough rules. It's about time they got something, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, they showed – you often hear about the speed of SEC teams versus those Big Ten teams. And, I mean, Michigan showed they've got some speed, yeah. too, especially in the backfield. They they can run with the best of them. They they ran a scheme where they brought the safety over on a corner blitz and tackled one of Alabama's receivers for maybe he ran a hitch, ran the perfect route, and he hit him where he stood. And as an NFL play, I mean, the safety play was elite. Um, especially, again, first half of those kids came out and played hard. Michigan's defensive line played with tremendous leverage on a really good Alabama offensive line. First half, again, if they play a whole game like that, I don't think anybody can touch them. Uh, they were dominant physically, and they do have people on the back end of their defense that can run with anybody in the country. There's no doubt about that. I was really impressed with their safety play especially. All right, before we get to the other game, let me mention a note here just coming out. Matt Zenitz from 24-7 Sports reporting that USC linebacker Pup Howard is in the transfer portal, John. So one of the Gamecocks' top recruits from last year's class is leaving, which, again, for whatever reason, um, that's a bad blow for South Carolina. That's a bad blow for South Carolina. Um, Maybe they make it up with this class. Maybe they make it up out of the portal, John. Who knows? But good young players that you get out of Jacksonville that you beat a bunch of people for, I mean, a bunch of people for, and you got him and you held on to him, and then he leaves after one year, and he was going to be a starter next year in all likelihood. He was – I don't know, Zach. I'm, I, maybe there's some personal reasons. Some say homesickness. I'm like uh, – homesickness, I'm yeah. like – you know, and now unless there's a family emergency, I get that, you know, a sick parent or – Family member, I certainly understand that. Homesickness, grow up. You know, you'll get over no, it. There ain't a family emergency that a few million dollars won't cure. No, that's true. And um, well, I, mean, I, I don't sorry, know if this—I don't know if this became an NIL tampering thing or not. Maybe it did. You know, people. Hey, if they're with Florida State, I can guarantee you it is. Yeah. I'm not going to play around here. Uh, they pay, and they live by the sword, and they died by the sword this year. You saw how long Jaheim Bell it lasted. Couldn't even play in the bowl game. Uh, this they got to get they need to go to the Big Brother NFL 
NCAA does, and just go to school, man. I mean, have some common sense. Even I know have signing bonuses that are linked directly to these bowl game participations, have tampering rules that are severe. Mm-hmm. I mean, death penalty-like tampering rules. Well, look, you know what? You're going to lose 15 scholarships if you tamper with one kid and we prove it. And that goes for any anybody acting in behalf of anybody, any private business person. If they're linked to that booster club, they're going down too. Yeah, and They've got to tighten this thing. It's destroying the game. And South Carolina is a victim because – They've tried to do, for the most part, by the rules. You know, Clemson's trying to stay out of it, which if you've got the culture is the smartest thing to do. They'll come out the biggest winner in the long run if they start looking behind the scenes. The NCAA put a task force together, which I'd love to head up, Hmm. and said, look, we're going to crack these cheaters down because what they're doing is they're teaching young people to break their word. They're they're, they're basically saying everybody's got a price, Phil. Everybody's what's your price. Well, when are the fans and, just going to be fed up? Well, I mean, seriously. Uh, you well, know, when, 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 when are the fans going to start stop stop um, fawning over these high school players like they do, and they get them in their program, and and then they leave, and it's like, oh well, you know, we'll get somebody else. No, I mean, when are fans going to just work. be be upset enough to where they're like, I'm done. I can't. This is. This is not what I want for college sports. This is not what I envisioned when I pushed for the freedom and I pushed for the NIL, as a lot of the fans did. This is not what I I thought. You, know, you always have these unintended consequences when, when new things happen. No, I, I don't think anybody yeah. foresaw this kind of stuff happening. But I want to get you back uh, on the yeah. game stuff because I got to get to recruiting here in a moment. But, again, uh, Matt Zenitz, Helma Granahan had written about this and mentioned that it was – possibly going to happen, and now um, Matt Zenitz from 24-7 is reporting that uh, Pub Howard has entered the portal, John, um, and he's out. He'll be, leaving, he'll be leaving South Carolina. That's a big blow. They've lost Stone Blanton. They, they lose him. Um, yeah. All right, second game. Um, Texas, uh, boy, that, that, that was – and Penix was outstanding – um, no, Texas man. got hot late. What what'd you think of their their last drive was to, was tremendous the way they handled uh, the time. They had like 40-something seconds, I believe, when they got the ball yeah. and, and moved it down into like the 10-yard line with a chance to win. Well, you know, you had a stupid penalty that kicked that thing off that gave them some yardage, some cheap yardage with no time. But Quinn Ewers is a gutsy kid. And here's a kid who grew up dreaming of playing for Texas. Okay, that should not be lost on anybody, and he wasn't gonna quit for nothing uh, on his team. Oh. And and again, Sarkeesian's had you know, he's had to come back from about with alcohol addiction. This guy's a tremendous comeback story, but he's an excellent coach. He's a good person from what I see, and he, he and he's got all the money in the world at Texas. These cats are gonna be around for a while. They're not as good as they're gonna be. I don't believe if he can keep his staff there, and they've got the money to keep people there. Um, the, the big thing there was, honestly, Texas didn't quit and, and made it a heck of a game. It was fun to watch, I think, the committee. Everything people said about them, they got it right. Uh-huh. They got the right people in that game, although I'd love to see some way Georgia could have played in, in, in a playing game or something. But I understand that's, going, that's not going to happen anymore because we'll have 12 teams. But Penix, uh, boy, I'm going to tell you, his pocket awareness and his awareness of where people are on the field, I was running plays back. Because you're throwing no look passes to him. Uh-huh. And I don't mean looking away, but just 
turning and pivoting and hitting like you see an all-pro NFL quarterback, not an average NFL quarterback, but maybe those five or six are the very best in the world. That guy is insanely talented and has got a cannon for an arm. Texas somehow hung around, and I'm still not sure how because it looked like a blowout when you watched the plays Pinks was making to those two stud receivers he's got. But Texas fought back, and, and yours is a winner. Uh, he, there are no losers on that field. They came out there and fought their guts out. Both teams played great. Um, I thought that was a much better played game of the two games. And uh, Washington looked like they belonged there mentally. Texas started slow, hurt itself a few times. But at the end, they rallied back and showed what kind of character they had. And their quarterback led the way on that for sure. He's a he's an inspiration to anybody out there, any kid out there that's dreaming about playing at their school in their home state. That's the kind of story that college football was built on. Yeah. Kids like him. The third and 10 pass for 41 yards, that got him down the field. That was, uh, you know, they're, they're inside of 30 seconds. They they caught the break when there was that injury. Player got yep. hurt, and that allowed the clock to stop. They didn't have any timeouts, I don't believe, but it did stop the clock, give them a chance to line back up, wait for the whistle, to, for the for the officials to um, – to give them to the go, and they they had it first and 10 at the 12. That's where I don't understand. I think they wasted a play there. He threw a little swing pass to the right side. It was I didn't complete. understand that. Yeah, I don't know what I he was thinking about there. I didn't understand that at all. Yeah. Cause they, I, I, there were a lot of things even these coaches do today. Um, I think that was a kid doing that, not coach, yeah. honestly, based on what I've seen Texas do. Now, Washington, on the other hand, where is the coaching to say, hey, hop off the field? Get yourself off the field so we can keep the clock running. That was a ball game. Um, what, know, if he could, uh, what if he could? What if he could? What if he physically what, couldn't I, get off the field? No, if there, if there's a chance of that, that's fine. But yeah. I'm gonna be honest with you. These kids lay down too easy. Phil, you don't have me on here to sugarcoat things. I yeah. heard Deion Sanders tell his kids a couple of weeks ago. Look, if you can't get off the field on your own, you're not going back in if you're that hurt. Hey. I watched Deion get up with a broken eye socket in him. His brain bleeding evidently from a concussion he had in a ball game against the Panthers in the playoffs up in Charlotte one night when they beat the Cowboys and kind of put an end to their reign. And the pack, your Packers won the Super Bowl at your field. Mm. And Dion asked a former teammate with the with the Panthers, I cannot remember his name now, great player, which which way's my bench? And he said, it's over here. And he said, point me there because I can't see. <laughs> and he got off the field. But that's what we did, Phil. Yeah. That's, 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 that's not unusual. It, people don't, don't understand, you know, there's a whole lot more to him and all these other guys than just prime time or Jerry Rice being Jerry Rice or Walter Payton or Jack Lambert or Jack Youngblood who played the whole Super Bowl with a fractured leg. And today it's a totally different mentality. And I'm like, that, you know, we – Nick Saban had the last tough national championship teams that would just beat you bloody. And those teams would thrive in what's going on right now. Um, I really, really, really hope we can get things straightened out in our country and our culture because this is a reflection of what you talked about earlier. I heard rave reviews about your discussion um, from some people to be named later. Thanks, Pat. But anyway, mm. you know, <laughs> it, 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 it's, uh, it, it, it was a reflection in that game that there were times where these kids were overcome by the moment. You know, you never saw that out of Trevor Lawrence's recent in, in the quarterbacks at Alabama. 
you know, uh, Deshaun Watson. I mean, those guys, uh, Joe Burrow. But but right now, I, I want to see who's going to step up. Penix, to me, is the guy mentally that seemed to never sweat. Uh-huh. He never faltered. Will he be that way in the national championship game? I don't know, but I'm going to be watching. This is what makes football great. And like you said about the NFL, you know why the NFL draws all those people? They have games like that every week, yeah. almost every game. Everybody's like got that. a chance. You feel like you got a chance every time. There's still pros there, and I hope to God they don't mess with that league anymore and mess it up because right now there's some great football being played in the NFL. I want to commend them for getting things turned around there. I think somebody said, hey, great job for all the craziness that went on. They got it back to where, I mean, it's nip and tuck every week. And if you don't bring it, you get blown out. So um, I'm excited about the NFL playoffs, and I'm excited about this matchup. You know, Michigan and Washington, two story programs is good for people, although I hate it. The Southern team ain't in there. We need it to be nationwide if we want the sport to grow. We need the regionalism to kick back in a little bit. Yep. Hey, thank you. Let's do it Monday night leading up to kickoff. You got it, brother. Talk to you. Thank you. Thanks, Zach. Happy birthday. Zach Willis. <laughs> superb, superb breakdown. Okay, let's do recruiting because another Gamecock has entered the portal, John. We'll tell you about that in just a second. Recruiting is brought to you by Seawells. Seawells back in business after the holidays, so get out and enjoy. You know you've missed it. I mean, I know you enjoyed your ham and your turkey and everything else that you had for the holidays, but you need to get back out to Seawells for their daily luncheon buffet. They are coming back this week, right? Don't we have a startup date? We don't have a they will date. Be, yep, they will be reopened tomorrow. Sorry, I was giving you a hand signal off air because I do not yet have a menu. Yep. So Seawells, it'll be unveiled tomorrow. I'm okay. sure it'll be terrific, though. Every time they've taken a long break like this in the past, they come back and they come out swinging. And it's another year. You got big events coming up. Let Seawells handle your catering. SeawellsCateringSC.com or 803-771-7385. Okay, so Pub Howard in the transfer portal, John, and then moments ago, because, yeah, today is the deadline for getting in the portal, John, to be able to transfer and play next season. And true freshman tied in Cameron Sandlin has entered the portal, John, 24-7 sports. Wait, just to confirm with that, so this period opens tonight. When the next one opens in a few weeks, or after the spring practice, I mean, you cannot transfer then and play this fall? I think that's right. Wow. But let me double-check. I'll confirm while you do that. Yeah, let me double-check, or you double-check. But yeah, and also, beginning tomorrow, we have a visitation period open for transfers between tomorrow and Sunday. So official visits can be had the rest of the week. So Cameron Sandlin and the transfer portal, John, from the Gamecocks and Pup Howard, they've got over 20 in the portal, John, now with these these additions. So, uh, look, uh, I hate it for the program. I hate it. I mean, you know, South Carolina, Clemson, any of our programs that lose these players. I mean, what what's the use of recruiting them? I just I don't understand. I don't know. It's beyond my grasp. Louisville transfer receiver Amari Huggins Bruce of Dillon will be on an official visit to USC tomorrow. Um, Huggins announced the offer from the Gamecocks on Sunday. He also posted on X that he'd received offers from Mississippi State, UCF, Tulane, Minnesota, Liberty, Colorado State. He's one of several portal targets the Gamecocks are expected to host on visits this week, including a pair of quarterbacks 
As I mentioned, you've got till Sunday to make official visits this week. One of those quarterbacks is TCU transfer Chandler Morris, who told us he will take an official to USC this week. That date to be determined. Of course, he's the son of Chad Morris, spent a season at Oklahoma before going to TCU and redshirting, uh, played the last two seasons with the Horned Frogs, two years of eligibility left. In his career, he's passed for 2,394 yards and 16 touchdowns, five interceptions. In high school, in Texas, he passed for about 7,700 yards and 88 touchdowns and rushed for 37 touchdowns in his career. Louisiana transfer quarterback Zeon Chris also plans to visit the Gamecocks this week. Also going to visit UCF. Miami of Ohio transfer receiver Gage Lervadian told on three sports he'll visit Tulane and South Carolina this week. He also picked up an offer from Cal. And Matt Zenith, 24-7 Sports, reported Sunday Troy transfer receiver Jabray Barber will visit USC, Kansas State, Texas A&M, and Florida State. USC target James Madison transfer receiver Elijah Surratt has added offers from Cal, Kansas State, and Wisconsin since his earlier offers last week. No word yet on a visit by him. USC's in the top eight. With Mississippi State transfer offensive tackle Percy Lewis, 6'8", 345. He played two seasons in junior college and two seasons at State. He started eight games last season. The others on his list are Auburn, Cal, Memphis, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Florida State, and Georgia. Former USC quarterback Colton Gauthier was offered by Gardner-Webb. Former Clemson quarterback DJ Uyangale is now at Florida State, transferring from Oregon State. UNLV receiver Seneca McKee out of Ridgeview is in the transfer portal, John. Newberry wide receiver Andre Banks is transferring to the Citadel. He is a Somerville product. USC's in the top 10 with tight end Marshall Pritchett of Charleston and Rabin Gap, Georgia. The others are Wisconsin, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Miami, Tennessee, Michigan, Georgia Tech, Florida State, and Auburn. USC target linebacker Mantrez Walker of Buford, Georgia, set an unofficial to LSU for January 20th. South Carolina's in his top 12. USC target running back Bo Jackson of Euclid, Ohio, was offered by Miami. USC, uh, let's see, did that. Uh, River Bluff wide receiver Stephen Collier plans to visit Florida for a junior day on January 27th. Cornerback Chris Conan Banny from Heathwood Hall named a top 10 LSU, Tennessee, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Penn State, Florida State, Southern Cal, Michigan, Oregon, and Ohio State. Clemson walk-on safety Jaden Kennard, son of Terry, has entered the portal. John, former Clemson running back Michael Dukes is transferring from USF. Basketball, USC women's target, 5'6", Jelani Cambridge of Nashville, committed to Ohio State, and USC men offer 2026-62 Marcus Johnson of Garfield Heights, Ohio, cousin of Michi Johnson, regarded as a top prospect in the 26th class. Did you find the answer to what you're looking for? Not exactly is the short answer. I believe they are immediately eligible, though, for that season if they get in that second window, but I, I will try to confirm for tomorrow, but I believe they are eligible. Okay. That's good enough for me. All right. Well, thank you for the calls. We'll pick it back up tomorrow night. 
And uh, thanks to Zach Willis for his uh, insight tonight as well. Have a great night. Look forward to being with you tomorrow. Thank you, Pat. And thank you, everybody. Have a great night. See you tomorrow.